You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hope you are well. It is Tuesday, March 28th, 2023, and you are in the Collective Cafe. Or, if you're listening online, the Collective Cafe to go. So, hopefully you've taken us with you on the road uh, whether you are commuting, whether you are traveling, whether you are on the treadmill, whether you're getting the kids ready for school, or whether this is just background music, it's all good. It's all fine, ultimately, when you are, as my friend Fanzo would say, when I'm in your ear, ear holes, e-holes, um, I know what a-holes are, but I don't know what e-holes are, but uh, hopefully I'm not in any of your holes, and we'll just... Uh, <clears throat> Leave it at that. Well, it is Tuesday today. It is Thought Leadership Tuesday. And uh, I wanted to tackle a topic that, you know, when sometimes being a little bit self-deprecating, we'll talk about this idea of um, of, uh, being paid by the acronym um, as a consultant. We get paid by the acronym. We get paid by the matrix. Sometimes when I'm on stage, I'll talk about the fact that we have a certain quota of acronyms 
And, uh, and if we don't hit those matrices or acronyms, we get thrown out the secret guild of consultants, uh, the SGC. Let's just call it the SGC. Why not? The secret guild of consultants. Maybe that's the name uh, for today's topic. How about that? No, well, uh, the secret guild of consultants. I don't think so because I wanted to talk about people. And in fact, the POEP today um, is... Um, a certain uh, singer, songwriter, was she a songwriter? Maybe she wasn't. I don't think she was, actually. Um, <clears throat> but she was a singer. She is a singer. She's still alive. Actress. Uh, by the name of Barbara Streisand. And she had a song called People. People, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Or the happiest people. Or one of the one of those as well. Uh, if you want to know the code for the POAP, well, <clears throat> it is one of her names, one of her names, the uh, funny girl who sang People. Um, you're going to have to figure out, is it her first name? Is it her last name? Or maybe, is it her nickname? Or maybe it's her middle name. Um, that is the code for the POAP today. You are free to guess in the cafe chat, and uh, let me put it this way, I'll tell you if you're wrong, so I'll be able to say it's not this, but if I do see the correct answer, I won't tell you if it's right, so little bit of game playing, why not, why not, life is too serious, life is too intense, so what I wanted to talk about, as I was saying, you know, being paid by the acronym or by the matrix, one that I came up with uh, a long time ago, like 20 years ago, is COST, called COST. Um, and it stands for Cultural, Organizational, Strategic, and Tactical. And the argument <clears throat> that I made, and, uh, you know, I, I spoke about, look, for me, everything begins and ends with strategy. Begins and ends with strategy, but certainly begins with strategy. I think the argument was in too many organizations, in too many companies, you have what's called tactics in search of strategy. You have the tail wagging the dog, the cart before the horse, solutions to non existent problems. And so, if everything begins with strategy, it is from strategy, that's how you inform the tactics. The tactics ultimately help you execute the strategy. The strategy is the why and the what, then the tactics are the how. But it doesn't just stop there because actually there are two pathways from strategy to tactics and then the other direction from strategy to the O of organization and specifically organizational structure, process, and then finally the idea of culture and cultural um, ethos and buying. You see, the point is that if you just have the strategy and even the tactics, but you don't have the process, you cannot scale with success. You cannot rinse and repeat. You cannot codify. You cannot institutionalize, institutionalize at an enterprise level. You cannot be able to teach or train to new recruits or new employees or people that were promoted or rotated or be able to implement across offices or geographies or business units. 
There is no succession. There is no continuity. But even that is not enough because you have to have cultural buy-in. Otherwise, it can die on the vine. So the tactics, I mean, the strategy without the organizational structure and process is really kind of a, a one and done. But the ability to create that continuity and that consistency, I should say, maybe consistency is the O and continuity is the C. Because at some point, someone's going to come in and there's going to be succession and they're going to bring in their own way and their own technique and their own process, their own playbook or, or, or guidelines or guardrails, um, and they're going to throw it out. Unless, of course, it is so core, so um, inextricable, so immutable to the company's DNA in terms of the, the Starbucks way, the Nike way, the Coca-Cola way. When you have a way, the Nestle way, the General Motors way, when you have a way of doing things, it's not so much just the process, it's the, it is the why. It is the fact that this is our identity. This is who we are. And once you have the C to the O to the S to the T, the ironic, because all my acronyms are ironic, is that there is an opportunity cost. It actually isn't a cost. It's a benefit. There's the opportunity cost of not implementing cost. Now, why do I bring this up and why do I talk about this? Because the more I think about life and the more I think about business and the more I think about Web3 and the more I think about sell in and sell through, the more I realize that it is just about people, which is a crazy thought. That the idea, the execution, it's irrelevant. It's all about people. The patents, the trademarks, the differentiation, the USP, the unique selling proposition, it's all irrelevant. It's all about people. I have said this so many times throughout my life to myself, to others that I've worked with, to clients. The only way we fail is if we got in our own way. And in many cases, we failed or they failed. Why? Because we or they got in our or their way. It's just about people. I mean, if you want to use an analogy, here's an analogy. Um, <clears throat> the, the New York Yankees. New York Yankees have not won the World Series in, I don't know, a long time. Maybe, <clears throat> let's see. Hey, Siri. When last did the New York Yankees win the World Series? 2009. Whoa, 2009. That's 14 years ago the Yankees won the World Series. But they've broken the bank many, many, many times since. Having a team of all-stars breaking the bank, spending the most money, does not guarantee that you will win. You cannot buy success. Why? Because of this thing called chemistry. In some cases, if you look at Moneyball, there's the ability to 
find a specific metric or a, a golden number and build a team around that number. But it's really just about people. When you think about the movie Major League, when you think about all these movies, it, it's, it's about the meshing of a team that live together, that play together, that die together, that believe in each other. I would much rather have a team of mediocre, average, slightly above average people that pull together, that complete each other's sentences, that have each other's backs, that literally will... That, that that trust one another implicitly, that will never stab each other in the back. I'd rather have that team than a bunch of individuals, prima donnas, drama kings and drama queens, divas and divos. Is that the right uh, gender term? All in it for themselves, for their own self, you know, self, uh, selfish or sanctification of their name that will stab each other in the backs at the first possible opportunity. Time and time again, we've seen how important chemistry is in a sports team and and ultimately, in a corporate sense, chemistry equals culture. And when people get in their own way, it is because of politics it's because of neuroses and insecurity and individualism. Not individuality, but individualism. Sabotage and self-sabotage. Arrogance, hubris, pride. Seven deadly sins, many of which are present and accounted for in the corporate world. It's funny because, and I've seen it, I've seen it myself, I've been a part of it. Even in a company of two people, there can be politics. Hell, even in a marriage, there can be politics. Parents, two parents, um, you know, being able to tell different versions of a story to a kid or to a therapist or whatever the case may be. So there can be politics even at the, even at the number of two, even at N equals two. <clears throat> and you can imagine if there are politics in a company of size two, exponentially what happens when the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth people join. So it's people that are ultimately the difference between success and failure. And this is why, and we've mentioned this several times, you will see that an investor, a venture capitalist, will invest in the person, not the idea. Because they need to know that that person will be open to feedback, to criticism to constructive criticism to change to being able to adapt and evolve to trends 
to outside forces and outside influences. Because the reality is that the world is going to change its effect. And what works today may not work tomorrow. And you may have the perfect formula and the perfect team, quite frankly, and the perfect everything until something comes and hits you. You know, like a two by four, like COVID or, um, or any external factor, including but not limited to competition. And now you're being put to the test. Now your ability to pull together, to step up, to do a little bit more, to have to unlearn or relearn. Now, now the real test, the real race begins. And I wish I'd remembered uh, where I saw this quote or who said it. But it was something along the lines of during tough times, recessionary times, the, the flawed company or the, the weak company, you know, the sick company will be killed or crushed during these tough times. The average company will survive and the above average company will thrive. I think it was, I think it was, it might have been a continuum of, about risk or even investing in training in people in marketing. But it's this idea that says if you were already on life support, your demise will just be accelerated. If you were kind of treading water and straddling, you have the opportunity you may just make it through. But if you were actually stepping up, stepping out, putting your neck out, those are the companies that pull ahead. And it's all about people. People get in their own way and get in others' way. When we get out of our own way, when we allow people to soar or swim or sink sometimes, sometimes that's also an inevitability. But when we get out of our own way, that's when you see real magic. This is why we often say in the influencer world, well, I I certainly say this, the most influential salespeople are your customers and the most credible spokespeople are your employees. And if they already have a voice, get out of their way, just let them talk, let them speak. And if they don't have a voice, give them a voice. It's as simple as that. If you've got rock stars in your community, let them rock. You don't even need to necessarily amplify them. Support them. Serve them. Enable them. Ride their wake. They'll pull you through. It's a joy when you've got big voices in your community. And when people don't have voices... Give them a voice, elevate them, promote them, showcase them, celebrate them, amplify their voices. As Seth Godin says, turn the funnel into a megaphone. 
you win both ways as a community, as a founder, as a CEO, as a leader. You win both ways. Your big voices and your small voices. Because the big voices have that purity, that credibility, that integrity. And you don't have to necessarily alter them, retouch them. And the small voices, well, first of all, you're doing a good thing. You're doing a great thing by giving them a platform and helping them get to the next stage. But of course, the beauty there is if they get and when they get to the next stage. Well, they have you to thank, but more importantly, you helped develop another big voice. You win both ways. But if you're insecure, if you are paranoid, if you are neurotic, if you are narcissistic, if you are threatened by those voices, big and small, you will never ever grow. You will always at best just be stuck in the status quo. Everything becomes zero sum. Because the voices get oppressed and repressed and pushed down and kept down and eventually they leave. I mean, this is a a basic element, whether you're talking about community or you're talking about talent in an organization. It's still one of the things that legacy managers can't understand. They can't deal. What, how, why, why would I let a 20-year-old talk in a meeting or a 23-year-old? What do they know? Wet behind the ears, green. In my day, we sat and never said a word and took notes and submitted conference reports. Speak when you're spoken to. Know your place. Sounds like being a kid a generation or two generations ago. But the world doesn't operate that way anymore. Now, this is not to say that chaos should be promoted, free-for-alls, let everybody speak. But if somebody has something to say, let let them talk. But there's so much insecurity out there and ultimately really it just does it just comes down to to security something that i've been learning myself personally is to this day i still feel the need to prove myself i i wrote five books i still lead with that often and i was sitting talking to someone at a conference and they said to me Someone says, what do you do? Just say, oh, I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a writer. Well, that's interesting. What, what do you write? I write, uh, I write business books. Oh, that's interesting. Have I heard of, the, of any of them? Um, or have I heard of, the, of your book? I've actually written a few. Oh, have I heard of them? What are they? Well, and now you start to talk about the books. They've given you permission to continue the conversation. 
Now, instead of me humble bragging or just bragging, look at me. I've written five books. I've keynoted in 50 countries. Choose me, choose me. I'm important. Let them form their own conclusions. Don't tell people you're smart. Be smart. Don't tell people you're humble. Be humble. Don't tell people you're honest. Be honest. It's that old saying when somebody says, can I be honest with you? Can I be real with you? Well, weren't you being real with me before? Weren't you being honest with me before? Why do you feel the need to say it now? It's all based in security. It's all based in insecurity. I've actually, you know, personally been dealing with this with my brother and sister after my mother passed away. Several times I've said, as the oldest, and they've resented me for that. Why are you throwing that in our face? I, I said, because I'm the oldest, that's why. Well, what, what does that make you? Better than us? Smarter than us? More experienced than us? What I was trying to say is I feel an obligation. I feel a pressure. I feel a role or a responsibility as the oldest. This is just who I am. I'm not the youngest. I'm the oldest. Does it mean I'm better than you? No, it doesn't. Does it mean I'm smarter than you? No, it doesn't. But it triggered them when I said, as the oldest, because it's like, are you telling us what to do? But really, all I was trying to say is this next thing I'm about to say, it's important. Please listen to me. Please trust me on this. Please go with me on this. It's like saying, hey, listen to me, I'm so smart. Don't tell people you're smart, be smart. If you need to emphasize what you're going to say, then just say it. I want to tell you something, and this really means a lot to me. It's really important. And I hope you, you know, uh, and I hope this lands with you. And if it doesn't, please, you know, tell me, push back. Let's, let's talk it out. Let's talk it through. But so much just comes down to insecurity. I think if we had to go back and analyze companies and successes and failures, you will find out more often than not that the reason why they failed was because of people, people mistakes, unforced errors, personality-driven decisions. You know, we we saw with uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, this guy just couldn't shut up. You know, rule number one of crisis communication is shut the hell up. Be quiet. I think thou dost protestest, protestest too much. When we feel the need, and look, there are two types of protests. Let's, let's not kid. There's the attack and there's the defense. And if you don't have the credibility, and if you aren't able to execute defense, then guess what? People come across as, people are labeled as defensive. Why are you justifying yourself? Why do you feel the need to justify yourself? But what's worse than that is attacking, going on the attack. Attack is not the best form of defense. Not when it comes to the court of public opinion. These are the unforced errors that are ripe 
rife, rife, ripe throughout the world of startups and founders and communities and companies. It's people that don't know when to be quiet. That's why the benevolent, generous um, leader is one that doesn't feel the need to talk all the time. But when they talk, everybody listens. Yes, in part, because they're the boss. But also because everything they say has substance, especially the ones that leave the talking to the end. I'm acutely aware. Um, in my, It's funny. In my show, I'm much more self-aware than I am outside the show because I, I'm clear about my role. And I know what, I, not only do I know my role as the host, but I know what kind of a host I want to be, an active listener. I want people to basically say, now I understand why the show is called Joseph Jeff is not famous. I want people to say I had fun. They're not going to have fun if they just heard me drone on all the time about my five books and my 50, kin- 50 countries and how great I am. I don't need to have an author on my show so that I can tell them how great I am. It doesn't work that way. Big voices should be allowed to operate a little bit more liberally. Small voices should be amplified. But ultimately, everyone should have a voice. That's why I always say a, co- a community is only as strong as, it's, as the lowest person in that community, as the quietest person, as the most junior person, as the most intimidated person. The same thing in a company. A company is not as strong as its leader. A company is as strong as its most junior person. And what that pathway looks like for that junior person to, to navigate, to thrive, to be elevated. I didn't say that word intentionally, by the way. That was not meant to be a pun. But truly to be elevated within the organization. And not, and not gratuitously as well. I am convinced that, you know, I've been doing a lot of um, thinking lately um, about training and corporate training and business coaching and, um, and realizing that, I mean, if you think about the, the United States as a market, Small and medium businesses are the lifeblood of, or the backbone of this country, of this economy. We always talk about the big brands, the Fortune 500, the Global 2000, but it's, it's small and medium business. <clears throat> and, excuse me, and, <clears throat> and we're not necessarily talking about mom and pop either. We're talking about businesses with 10 plus people, 50 people, 100 people, 250 people. Businesses that have five to ten million dollars, ten to twenty-five million dollars in revenue. But as God made little green apples, those companies, every single one of them, are going to go through these inevitable 
growth spurts, and growing pains. They're going to hit plateaus and they're going to hit walls. And every time they get to a new level, they will be tested and challenged. And some will make it and some won't. More will not make it than will. Most businesses fail. Most businesses don't make it beyond the first year. Most businesses don't make it beyond five years. And by the way, you know, we still, I think we've seen, I think maybe the Board Ape Yacht Club will celebrate its two-year anniversary this year. The first community to actually celebrate two years. How many communities by the end of June will actually have celebrated two years? If you look at an NFT collection and a project as you know, as a company, as a small business, as a startup, surprise, surprise, most did not see it through their first year. And I'll bet you, again, going back to, you know, the creator and green apples, that most of them did not make it because of people. Because they couldn't manage the big voices and the small voices <clears throat> and just figure out a way to to deal with the noise and you know and and be accessible these are all people problems and therefore people solutions so when you look at all these small and medium businesses dealing with growth growing pains sure you can look at the acronym that I started talking about at the beginning of today. If you're a little bit late to today, go back and listen to the first part. Cost, cultural, organizational, strategic, and tactical. My, my framework that I created. Yeah, you got to set. You got to set that up. You've got to create that. You know that framework, that foundation with those that table with those four pillars. However, you want to look at it. But the common thread that moves through horizontally through that is people, are people. Communication, connection, collaboration, compensation, recognition, ability to deal with tough subjects, create a, an accepting culture. I mean, a culture that, that forgives I'd rather beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. Empowerment. This is how you create an idea, a company um, that can scale and that can survive anything that can be thrown at them. That's why when we look at um, so many stories, right? The miracle on ice. We look at all these stories. More often than not, they are about um, a bunch of Ordinary people that realize extraordinary aspirations. Hell, look at what's happening right now in, the, uh, in March Madness. There are four teams in the final four. There are no first seeds, second seeds, or third seeds. I think it's the first time ever. My son goes to University of Miami. The Hurricanes are in their first final four ever. You've got a bunch of individuals in all four teams with an individual coach with individual fans but ultimately how they come together how they combine how they connect how they collaborate how they mesh 
will determine who wins. This is, this is the story that we all buy into. This is the dream. The dream is we don't have to be the best or the smartest. We've got to just want it a little bit more. We've got to try just a little bit more than the, than, than the next guy or the next girl or however you want to, or the next person. We've got to be doing it for other people besides ourselves. I heard one person from one of the teams just crying and talking about, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for my grandmother and my grandfather and all the people in their life that they, would, that, that they felt that they were carrying and that they were fighting for. That's why more often than not, when you sit down and you train and you coach, it's going to become very, very apparent who the big mouths are. Not the big voices, but the big mouths. And more often than not, they're going to be the more senior people. I'm going to talk the most because I'm the boss. I'm the leader. I, it's my name on the door. I'm still struggling with this as a parent. Been listening to a lot of amazing, amazing um, podcasts lately. Moving from this idea of, you know, do do not as I do, but as I say. Do as I say, not as I do. What kind of a, a leader does that? What kind of a parent does that? That was me. That maybe still is me. You'll do what I tell you to do because as long as you live under my house, you'll, you'll abide by my rules. But dad, you don't do that. It doesn't matter what I do. You need to do that. Don't make the same mistakes I did. I mean, hell, I can give you a hundred of these lines. And many, if not all of them, I've said. Maybe I still say some of them. But that self-awareness is key. Setting an example, being a role model. You know, the selfless leader puts themselves, bef- put, puts others before themselves. What, what's that phrase? Leaders eat lost or something like that? So you can spot, I think, a healthy community, a healthy company based on the people based on the way that they talk to each other, the way that they treat each other, how they conduct a meeting, how they respect each other's time. And, and my argument is that I would rather have that company, those people with an average idea or mediocre product or, or you know, vanilla type of operation than one that has a rock star individual or a or a an amazing value proposition. The only way we lose is if we get in our own way or if we got in our own way. That statement is is just that you know that's like a golden statement. More often than not people that don't get in their own way and each other's way will find a way to win, find a way to survive, find a way to thrive, 
Find a way to adapt. Find a way to pivot. Find a way to win. Because it isn't. I mean, we've used these examples so many times. The iPhone versus the Samsung. Coke versus Pepsi. It's not always about the features and benefits. And even in our space, utility. It's not about the hard metrics. Sometimes it's about the soft metrics. It's not always about what is said. It's about what isn't said. It's not always about what is said in front of your face. It's what's said behind your back. So going back to the topic at hand, you know, talking about people, talking about politics, uh, talking about drama, talking about just free flowing lines of communication. And look, there is, you know, I spoke about security and or insecurity. Most of us are insecure. I mean, let's face it. It's like all very well, you know, for me to to preach like I am today because it's easier said than done. All of this stuff sounds good in in theory but in reality it's tough we've got ego we want to be validated validation um is is key i mean i think i think um you know a leader is always going to validate going down you know down the pecking order Praise, I, I heard this, um, again, going back to um, this podcast I've been listening to, um, that I think, I think it's kids need five positive statements to basically um, balance out one negative statement, or you need that balance of five affirmations or validations to balance out one negative one. And then you think about how many compliments maybe you give your kid and versus how many uh, criticisms or, or admonishes or you know, um, you know, negative statements you make. Put the music down. Do your homework. No sodas. I mean, sometimes it's barking orders. Don't talk to your mother like that. Can't believe you didn't make the team. You're late yet again, as opposed to more positive statements. You need a ratio of five positive to one negative. I wonder how what that ratio looks like in, in corporate America or in corporate world. And of course, you know, there's you don't want to be disingenuous. But Hell, maybe a disingenuous compliment is better than none at all. And so it really does come down to, you know, nonverbal cues and interpersonal skills and and security, being secure in your skin, in your job. Where you can let people even take the credit. 
I mean, ultimately, it has to come down to, I think, a belief, which is that the cream will always rise to the top on one hand, but on the other hand is that, you know, you don't have to prove yourself, or it's exhausting, I think, to have to prove yourself all the time. To have to keep telling people how awesome you are and how great you are and reminding them. Because at some point, it's like the boy who cried wolf. If you keep telling people how smart you are, eventually they're not going to believe you are. Don't tell people you're good, be good. Don't tell people you're smart, be smart. Don't tell people you're kind, be kind. Don't say, I'm a good person, be a good person. By the way, if you are collecting the POAP, your clue today, and feel free to make a few little guesses, is there is a very famous singer who was in a movie called Funny Girl, uh, magnificent voice, and uh, she wrote a song or maybe she didn't write the song, but she sang a song called People. People, people who need people. I sang it earlier and I won't do it again. I'm not even sure I can salvage because uh, I had to like switch off the roadcaster. Um, and, uh, but I'll try and stitch it together. Are the luckiest people in the world. Let me read you the lyrics of people. People, people who need people. Are the luckiest people in the world. Were children needing other children, and yet letting a grown-up pride hide all the need inside, acting more like children than children. Lovers, very special people. They are the luckiest people in the world with one person, one very special person. A feeling deep in your soul says you are half, now you're whole. No more hunger and thirst, but first be a person who needs people. People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. With one person, one very special person, a feeling deep in your soul, says you are half, now you're whole. No more hunger and thirst. But first, be a person who needs people. People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Now this particular singer, this lady, this amazing woman, who uh, sang that song, um, she has a middle name, which I didn't know. And that middle name is, by the way, your um, your secret word, with a capital though, because it's a name. So it is a four-letter name, and you're going to need to use the, the capital. By the way, she um, is 80 years old. Well, she's 80. didn't realize that. You know, my mom would have, uh, my mom would have been um, 80 this year. She was born in 1943. This person was born April 24th, 1942. Um, so hopefully she's got a good uh, at least decade or two left in her um, and her voice continues to reign supreme. So that is your code for today and uh, hopefully uh, you will figure it out. Um, Slick says, there seems to be some mixed feelings about Ticketmaster entering the same with token-gated ticketing. Did you see the article? No, I didn't. Uh, Please share that in the cafe chat. Ticketmaster are definitely right now um, not the favorite brand out there. Um, They had uh, a massive issue with Taylor Swift, um, as many of you know. 
um, Robert Smith and The Cure um, have tried to actually, you know, take on Ticketmaster, coming up with such um, low, you know, incredibly low ticket prices, so much so that the actual um, ticket uh, master um, uh, transaction fees and all the added fees are actually greater than the ticket price. Um, and so uh, thank you, Slick, for sharing. Uh, the to- the uh, subject is, or at least the heading is, Ticketmaster debuts NFT-gated ticket sales. Um, let's, let's click on that as well. Um, so starting with Avenged Sevenfold. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. I mean, look, there is no question um, that blockchain in particular um, will play a massive role in terms of um, events, in terms of fandom, in terms of loyalty, in terms of retention. Um, when all is said and done, and we're not talking about punks and apes and you know and animals and llamas and seals and lions and tigers, lions and tigers, cats and dogs sleeping together, um, we will move into uh, a new phenomenal area of growth. You know, what's so interesting to just bring this full scale is that if we look at these defunct communities, I wonder how many of the ones that failed or are failing could actually bring it, you know, could distill the reasons why they struggled or, or, or failed. Or on the flip side, when we look at ones that have stood the test of time, that are not on life support, but are absolutely thriving, and there aren't many, if there may not be any, quite frankly, um, how many of them can distill it to people? You know, even in the case of Doodles, I've just joined Doodles. You know, I, I absolutely, I've changed, I've changed my, uh, my PFP, finally, um, to uh, my Doodle. I love, love my Doodle, the art. I just, I don't know, really, really connected with this one. So if you look at my Twitter profile, um, you can see you can see my doodle. I don't know, he's, he's like he's kind of like a like a, a he's got a beard, a pink beard, and kind of long hair, and he's like a bit of a hippie doodle. Um, and I bought I bought him for three point seven ETH, um, which was I had to sell and buy and move things around, and you know it was it was it was a it was difficult to find it at the moment. Um, doodles are sitting at 3.29. So, you know, if I'd waited, I probably could have could have saved half an ETH, which is not an insignificant amount of money. But I really love this piece of art. And I'm going to stick around. I, you know, I've said that if Doodles somehow increases to 20 ETH, you know, again, or, or even that region, I will sell just because, just because I don't want to have to get into... That's a long way away from, I'm a long way away from even getting there. And I'm giving myself and I'm giving them an opportunity to, you know, create or, or demonstrate um, a culture and a community um, where the last thing I do would be to want to sell. I mean, that's the way it should be. But why do I bring it up? 
because this massive drop, doodle drop, <laughs> doo-doo, doodles became doo-doo, um, was due to um, the founder kind of, I don't know, you know, turning on uh, appeared some of the loyalist members um, and announcing we're not an NFT community and being able to very poorly um, communicate, sell in, sell through um, the, um, you know, the, the next wave of growth or evolution for the project. Just very, very poorly done. And so the result was um, a massive, massive um, fall. I mean, for me, it, it made it more affordable. I mean, I'm just looking at, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it was as high as 23 ETH. So I don't know. I think I think I think I'm I'm in this for the long haul and and I'm happy to do that. But my point is, even with Doodles, Doodles one of the few communities that was like you could I mean, Doodles top five, maybe certainly a top ten, arguably a top five. And and you just see this, you know, Psychedelics Anonymous, the founder talking about giving away the the contract to the community. You know, there are not many communities inside in Web3 and, and, uh, and this NFT space that have been able to survive or at least thrive or at least not um, encounter growing pains. Now, I would argue that that's normal. It's all normal. It's normal to encounter growing pains. It's actually inevitable. It is part of growth. That's why they call it growing pains, for God's sake. It's how you deal with them. It's how you it's how you change your style and adapt versus get off my lawn. You know, versus getting stuck in the past or the way things have always been done. And it actually just comes down to people. And yes, there are necessary endings. I've always, always marveled personally at founders that leave their companies. Most of the time they're forced out. It's actually very rare that they willingly leave. Because why would you? Why would you willingly leave? I mean, that is the ultimate founder that says, you know what? I've come as far as I can. It's time I mean, even you know, not to uh, not to get too biblical on your on your asses, but look at you know, go back into into the Bible, look at Moses and Joshua. That wasn't even decided for him. I mean, he didn't decide that. That was the inevitable ending. You've come as far as you can. And someone who was known as the most humble of humbles. You know, the big guy himself that, you know, I'm not talking about God, but, you know, he was whacked, so to speak. He was let go. So it's amazing to think about this idea that it's actually just to kind of bring this home today 
it is about people and it's all about people. But it's also about being able to recognize that there are some, you know, there are necessary endings. There are times when you've come as far as you can. The difference between Starbucks and Nando's, as I've said many times, is Howard Schultz hired from outside. Nando's tried to promote from inside, but people rise to the level of their own incompetence. And therefore, some people came as far as they could, but yet they were pushed or propelled or prodded or encouraged or promoted to move into a space where they were just not equipped. And so they floundered and struggled and, and, and arguably failed. And if it is truly about people, well, it always begins with you, doesn't it? It begins, you have to look inside, your, inside yourself, inside your heart. You have to introspect. You have to be honest with yourself before you can be honest with others. You have to be able to say, I've come as far as I can. It's time to, you know, pass the torch, hand the reins, or bring on a partner, or mix it up. It doesn't mean it's the end. It just means things have to change. Whether you're the founder where a VC is telling you to change the name, change the style, change the approach, or this is a very interesting B2C um, you know, startup you have or, or idea, but I think there's much more growth or, or opportunity if you turn this into a kind of an ASP or white label B2B product. I mean, hell, I, I encountered it when I sold my company, Crayon to Powered. My vision was to build the world's first full-service social media agency. And then we were rolled up into another, into another company where the vision was B2B, was, was e-commerce, social commerce. And I just, you know, had a hissy fit and, you know, and, and pouted and, and fumed and ranted and raved and I left the company. Who knows what would have happened had I stayed, had I been able myself to adapt and say, all right, let's give this one a bash. I'm not saying that I was wrong or right in my reaction. I'm just saying I wasn't at a stage in my life then, which I think I am at now, where I'm a lot more open and adaptable to the input of and by others. And ultimately, it does come down to that identity, to that security or the lack thereof or insecurity and the ability to realize the only way we lose, the only way you lose, is if you get in your own way. And the only way you win, or not the only way, but the way to win, is this idea of, I'm going to find you the quote, if you want to go fast, right? If you want to go fast, Go alone. If you want to go far, go together. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.